I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Serie A fan. Season's over and it's party time as we crack out the beers and reflect on the final day action. Not to mention the off-pitch action is just getting started. There's eight out of the top ten clubs sack the gaffer. We'll give you our take on all of that and theorise about the national squad composition. All of this before the main event, Scudetto Awards and Honourable League Table. This episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to the season finale of Scudetto, your weekly roundup of top flight Italian football. And as usual, we've got plenty to talk about. The football's over, but the managerial carousel has gone into overdrive. Uh, We'll be getting into all of that, Uh, try and give you a bit of a season overview. We've got the Scudetto Awards, we'll be answering your questions. But first of all, just a couple of early honourable mentions that I wanted to give out. Boaz, you get an honourable for your 100% record on the pod. Mm. Very impressive. Both Kenny and I at various points in the season have had to have a week off for one reason or another. You got almost bombed and uh, we're still on the podcast so congratulations at several points when Milan were having uh, bad results I considered pulling a sickie but uh, I took one for the team as they say yeah and Kenny you get an honorable for getting us on board to start with with this podcast and uh, for producing it every week Um, so yeah thanks to both of you it's been a pleasure to do the podcast this season Um, thank you Oscar it's sounding like Conte you're you're it's unclear if you'll be here (laughs) next year are you about to do one (laughs) I'm not about to do one live on air. Um, so yeah, just um, not to mention it's, it's been obviously a great excuse to drink beers every Thursday. And uh, on that note, Kenny, uh, what is the beer lineup for the evening? Yeah, Oscar. So I've got I've got three beers lined up. I've started off with I, I think it's a bit ambitious to get through three in uh, in an episode without sort of. Um, opening one up in our pre-prod. So I've already opened up the first one, which is a Tiny Rebel Club Tropica. And it's an IPA, a tropical IPA. It's very, very tasty, although it does uh, taste a little bit like uh, just tropical fruit juice. But uh, I'm I'm done with that, to be honest. I quite like tropical fruit juice. Uh, I've also got, for later on, I've got a Six North Framboise Raspberry Beer. And I've got this Fierce Rhubarb. Uh, which is a fruit pale ale, obviously rhubarb uh, themed. You, you guys will remember there was a slight mishap with the rhubarb beer earlier on, so I'm giving <laughs> I'm giving this theme uh, another try. Uh, yeah, what yeah. have you got? What have you got, Oscar? It looks like a good one. That with the I like the bear graphic on the fierce rhubarb. Yeah, it's got a bear with sunshades on. It's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I've gone with a couple of my favourite beers from the season. One of them is the uh, tanker sauna session beer the Estonian birch ale which i've talked about on at least a couple of occasions um and i've also got a cool heads naked sauna sour been getting into as you remarked i've been getting into the sour beers since i've been over here and who doesn't love a naked sauna so 
<laughs> just combining two of my favorite things. Um, nice work. Yeah. How about you, Buzz? I've got a pretty good beer lineup. Uh, they're in a ice bag underneath my desk right now, so I'm not going to pull them out to make some noise. But I've got a classic Brewdog Punk IPA. I've got a Goose Island IPA. And I've got, I just showed you it. What's it called? It's a Beaver Town. Oh, uh, gonna, Loopaloid? Or something that's like the that. one, yeah. That one is my last one. It's the dessert because it's like 7.2%. Yeah, that's nice. It's, um, <laughs> it's like a gamma ray, only stronger. So I'm sure, you, sure you'll enjoy it. Beaver Town beers are all winners for me. I'm just glad to have found them in Israel. I've, this is this will be the first time I drink a Beaver Town in, on these shores. Yeah, very good. Um, right. So let's talk about the five day of the season first, shall we? Um, (laughs) Yeah, before we do that, I actually promised an official apology to Juventus and Pirlo for predicting that they'd miss out on the Champions League. So sorry, Andrea, if you're listening, for underestimating you and your club. I'm sure Pirlo Uh, will take a lot of uh, consolation from that uh, after having got the sack. (laughs) (laughs) We, we will talk about that as well. Um, Apparently, Agnelli was a listener of the, the podcast, and uh, <laughs> that's what swung his job in the end. Oscar's pessimism about Pirlo's Juve. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, that's how Boaz got the contract to be the official podcaster of the Super League, actually, through the Agnelli connection. But yeah, um, the connect- on predictions that we did get right, uh, Kenny and I both correctly predicted that Milan would be Atalanta and qualify. Uh, Boaz, how happy were you to be wrong about that? Uh, first of all, I've mentioned this on uh, the Milan Obsession pod but I, where I was a guest earlier this week, but I did my damn hardest not to watch this game. I left my phones and my computer in a different room. I locked myself in the office. I, uh, I literally, I was tr- trying to turn it all off, but I forgot that I get um, notifications on my Apple Watch and I have about five or six sports app that remind me of the Milan scores. So it was constant yellow card, this, this and that. And to add uh, insult to injury, I also signed up to a bunch of um, Major League Baseball and uh, NBA notifications when I was living in the States. And it, it's never really bothered me. I never cared about it. But suddenly there was like all these scores that honestly I don't don't care about. So I, at the end of the day, I watched I watched the second half more or less. And they, I was ecstatic after this result. I, I couldn't believe that we finally beat Atalanta in a game that was crucial to us. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure you'd be very happy to... Uh, how long has it been since you were last in the Champions League? I think it's been seven years, so uh, a real long amount, particularly for a club like Milan, who like, like to think they are um, Europe's elite. Yeah, and uh, Kenny, obviously disappointment for you there with the, uh, the loss on the, on the final day. But um, a season to be happy with for Atalanta, really. What, what did you make of, of that result and kind of the rest of the action on the final day? Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, it it wasn't really disappointment for me. I mean, I, I said on last week's podcast, the Atalanta, yes, were going for an, yet another record to finish second. But look, a club like Atalanta, just to be in the Champions League, to qualify for the Champions League three years consecutively, I'd have told you you were having me on if you told me that when I was when I was a kid and Atalanta were yo-yoing between Serie B and Serie A. Um, a, a club of their size to do that is an incredible achievement. And I think all of the players kind of uh, 
kind of realize that uh, and Gasperini realizes that and the fans realize that and the mood very much afterwards when they had their <clears throat> dishonorable mention um celebration with the with with the fans outside the ground the end of season one um it was very much a, a positive one so n- not no disappointment for me at all um i think it would have been a bigger travesty if milan after what they'd done throughout 2020 uh, had not qualified for for the champions league so for me I, i'm happy to see to see milan milan make it uh, i thought it was a, a very very tense game it had like a real kind of final vibe to it uh, milan has to be said were absolutely excellent defensively atalanta had a lot of the possession and everything without really troubling milan too much um yeah i mean a couple of couple of penalties won it in the end but for me we have to mention uh, frank Kessie, who was absolutely incredible, just majestic yet again. And what a way to cap off his season and what what season he's had and what a development he's had under under Pioli because he was he looked great at Atalanta, then went to Milan and never really properly found his feet. Um and I think this is we're kind of seeing him emerging into one of the best midfielders in, in Europe, certainly in Serie A, but possibly in Europe. So I think it's uh, all in all a very satisfactory result. Uh, not even that bittersweet for Atalanta. It would have been nice to finish second, but um, third will do just just nicely. And uh, glad to see Milan make the Champions League because I think they definitely deserve it. And there is certain poetry about uh, Milan ending the season with the most ever penalties in a Serie A season and uh, getting two penalties the, on the very last match. Oh, yeah, are you still keeping your spreadsheet bars of all the penalties and whether or not they were the correct decision? I have a very uh, accurate spreadsheet, and to my, to in my opinion, of the twenty-one penalties awarded, nineteen were legit and two were bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. We're going out on an explicit uh, warning on uh, on Spotify just for the final one as part of this uh, end of season extravaganza. Going crazy yeah. here. It's like the Christmas <laughs> special. So all bets are off for this episode. So Milan and Atalanta, the only clubs in the top half to actually keep their managers. Um, so let's, shall we start with Juve and Pirlo? Um, obviously qualified with that 4-1 victory over Bologna. Um, it's now been announced that Allegri will be taking over as manager of Juventus next season. Pirlo's released this long sort of complicated statement uh, about his time in charge of the club appears to be saying that he wants to continue his managerial career. Kenny, what did you make of the statement and like, how do we evaluate the season at Juve now? Well, I think there are two ways to, to evaluate this. One is for a manager in the first season of his managerial career at any level. And at that level, Andrea Pirlo has won Coppa Italia and qualified for the Champions League. And you have to say that I have to say kudos for a manager who has come into this without any experience whatsoever, even at junior level. Um, so I think given given his lack of experience, uh, a, a, like a perfectly decent job done by, by Pirlo, 
the other way to evaluate it is as manager of Juventus, who have the most uh, expensively assembled squad, the highest wage bill, nine seasons of uh, winning winning Serie A, and to scrape into the Champions League on the last day in the way that they did, courtesy of Napoli stumbling. You have to say it's not been a great year for Juve. Uh, so, I mean, Coppa Italia result kind of papers over the cracks. Uh, they've got Champions League football so long as UEFA don't decide to take it away from them after this investigation that's going on. Uh, so they've kind of got away with it, uh, despite the fact that they haven't got their 10th title in a row. But not a great season for Juve. But for Pirlo, I think he leaves with his head held high. You know, he's uh, he came into a very, very high-profile job. And, I mean, in Italy, there is <laughs> there can't be a more difficult job to or a more uh, high high-profile job to go into as your first managerial job than that. And he handled himself okay in the end. He, he got a couple of pieces of silverware. And yeah, I don't think his reputation will be tarnished at all, given his lack of experience. For But for Juve, bad season. Yeah. Um, and on that analysis, I guess his statement makes quite a lot of sense. Um, and, but Boaz, on, you, you and your brother have both been telling me this week that uh, reheated soup never tastes as good. Um, so does this analysis also apply to Allegri going back to Juventus or is this a special kind of soup? I think I mentioned on a few episodes back that um, reheated soup in Turin sometimes does taste good. Uh, they notoriously did it with uh, Lippi and with uh, Trapattoni in the past. Obviously, when you upgrade from Pirlo to, a, 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 to Allegri, it might be that you're just upgrading the, the quality of your soup. And perhaps this is a way of uh, Juventus kind of going back on the so-called mistakes of the past two years and uh, giving Allegri what he always wanted, which is a big war chest to go out and uh, refine, rebuild this team. Uh, the, the big question is, do they continue to build around Cristiano or do they focus entirely on the youngsters who have been brought in in the past couple of years and have actually done pretty well and probably can't be blamed for the debacle that was this season? Yeah, well, it has to be mentioned as well that it's been reported uh, various times uh, in the past that one of the reasons that Allegri left was a, a reluctance to sell Cristiano Ronaldo, who he he claimed was kind of holding back the development of uh, the the team as a whole, and of course that Ronaldo has had all of his fancy supercars moved. So I am fully expecting Ronaldo to to be gone. Uh, in the not too distant future i mean it could even happen before before the euros if you ask me we may come on to it a little bit later but um it, it something quite curious was that uh as part of conte's um release clause from inter there was a clause that he would not be allowed to go to manage juventus so obviously inter were worried that uh, he was in talks with their big rival yeah and buzz we should talk about inter because obviously you predicted that conte was going to leave way back in uh january or was it Kenny that predicted it and you just agreed? Having listened to many of our episodes in the past uh, couple of, in the past week or so, I, I know for a fact that I've mentioned it some at some point, but I've said a lot of stuff that was complete and utter rubbish as well. So um, I don't want to give myself too much credit. But I did say that um, Conte has prior in winning the league and fucking off, let's say. Yeah, he did it at Chelsea. He did it at Juventus. And to be honest, I think uh, it kind of made sense for his PR to leave now because 
who's got the energy to do a, to start a rebuild project, particularly after such a t- taxing season. It always felt like relations between uh, Conte and management weren't so good. As I said, I've been listening to a lot of our past episodes and the amount of times we've mentioned him complaining about something or, you know, him having a moan about the club. So um, if it wasn't Antonio Conte, he'd been, he would have been fired a long, long time ago. And I think if it wasn't Antonio Conte, he probably would have stayed right now. Yeah, but possibly would not have won the league. So perhaps the counterpoint to that. Um, but it looks like, I'm not, is it official that they've appointed Inzaghi? It's official that Inzaghi's left Lazio, right? Yeah, Inzaghi leaving Lazio is official. But as we started recording, unless something's come through in the last sort of uh, 15, 20 minutes or so, uh, I, I don't think anything has been announced. But it's one of the worst kept secrets in Italian football at this point that Inzaghi will, will be the next Inter manager. And what do we make of Inzaghi at Inter, Kenny? Do you think his brand of football is going to fit that squad that they've got there? Yeah, well, the, the first thing to point out is that he also plays uh, a, a similar type of formation to, to Conte. Obviously, a very different style. The sort of interpretation of that formation is very different. Um, they do play counter-attacking in the same way that Inter do, but it is it, more, I don't know, that, that perhaps a little bit more fluid uh, and more aesthetically pleasing in their counter-attacks than, than Inter, but perhaps less less effective. I'm not convinced that uh, Simone Inzaghi Inter can go on and consolidate this uh, victory by, by uh, winning Serie A again next season although he is undoubtedly a very very good manager but i think for for from Inzaghi's point of view you can't blame him it sounds like to all intents and purposes he's been absolutely messed about by by Lotito uh, he he released a statement i think last week saying look i've been trying to get a new contract signed for 6 months um and if it was any club other than Lazio who i have such a long history with then I wouldn't be going in for talks this week. So it sounds like, and Boaz mentioned as well, other other stories about certain things being promised would be in the contract, and then when the contract materialized, uh, the the wages were lower or the, the, the actual deal was different. It sounds like Lotito just being Lotito and Inzaghi's just kind of thinking that he has a bit too much self-respect to just go along with it. Uh, I think Inter will be good under Inzaghi. I think they've got the players to fit his uh, to fit his mold. But uh, yeah, I'm just not convinced. Uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I'm not convinced that they will they will win those those difficult to win, hard to win games that they won under Conte. Those that run of victories that they won by one goal. That's a very Conte trait, and that's ultimately what won them Serie A. And I'm not sure that they do that under Inzaghi. Yeah, and. Uh... We maybe just skip over this because we're running out of time, but we should just give a dishonourable to Lazio for their parting statement uh, about Inzaghi. Uh, go and look it up. Fairly, fairly ridiculous. Very cold. Very, <laughs> very cold. I wouldn't even refer to him by name. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start calling you guys my co-hosts and just ignoring your names. <laughs> a co-host and Serie A observer <laughs> is having Former a beer of some of sort tonight. um yeah okay just i I mean there've obviously been uh plenty of other managerial changes that we're not going to have time to talk about this week 
maybe we should just mention Juric's move from uh, Verona to Torino, which to some might seem a step down. Um, firstly, uh, credit has to go to David Nicola for saving Torino. It was uh, it seemed like a doomed mission when he joined, and he did a very good job. Although they did ship about twenty goals in the last three games or so, but still, um, Juric is uh, one of the better rated managers in Serie A at the moment and he, his football is quite entertaining and for him to move to Torino rather than one of the traditional big clubs for example he was rumored to be uh, one of Napoli's targets seems a bit odd to me but maybe Torino can finally get their uh, act together. Okay thanks for that um, and yeah just before the break let's just talk about the Italy the provisional Italian squad selection because Mancini has done uh, similar to what a few other managers have done, Gareth Southgate included, where he's named a larger provisional squad and will then perf- uh, confirm the, uh, is it 26 players uh, next Tuesday? So what do we make of his selection? Uh, and are there any sort of key people from the provisional squad that we think might miss out? Kenny, I know you've been uh, making detailed notes on this one. <laughs> I have been, yes. Let me just refer to refer to my notes. Uh, so I, I think it's quite obvious what Man- Mancini's doing. I mean, he's... So he plays a 4-3-3, right? Um, I think it, it's fairly likely that there will be um, nine defenders, seven midfielders and seven forwards along with your your standard three goalkeepers. So it looks like he's filled out kind of, he's got a, an additional left back, an additional right back, an additional goalkeeper, an additional centre back, a um, couple of additional forwards and a couple of additional uh, midfielders. I think the first thing to say is that in that provisional squad, because of their involvement in the Champions League final, there is no Jorginho and there is no uh, Emerson Palmieri, who I think will both be in that um, in that final squad. So th- there are certain people that I th- that I think are kind of on the cusp. There's like a few difficult positions in goal. He's got Merritt and Cranio. I think it's very obvious that Sirigu is his second choice behind uh, Donnarumma. So one of those two will miss out. I have a feeling it will probably be, be Cranio, um, although both of them have fe- featured a fair amount. Um, I think if you look at the, the left-backs that are in that squad, Spinazzola and Palmieri, I think, quite easily edge out Biragi. I'd expect Biragi to miss out. One of the interesting ones, though, um, for me is centre-back because I think um, I think Toloi, who famously changed his nationality to Italian earlier this year, might end up being the player missed, who misses out simply because Acerbi has had such a long uh, sort of track record of playing in this, in this um, Mancini team. I don't necessarily think that that would be fair, but I have a suspicion that will potentially happen um, and just looking down the list as well, right back, it's difficult to look past Florenzi and, and Di Lorenzo, really. Di Lorenzo has been much more involved than Lazzari in the Azzurri setup. He's also had a better end of, of the season. I think another real tricky area is going to be in the midfield. There's, you know, Pessina recently came into the squad, but he's just been so good for Atalanta, who, you know, again, had an outstanding season. You would expect Sensi and Castrovilli, two of the biggest talents in Italian football, to to be there. I just don't think Sensi's played enough football this season 
to, to make it. And Castrovilli, as wonderful as I think he is a footballer, I'm not convinced that he's um, he's going to make it. Bernardeschi's had another disappointing season. I reckon he'll miss out. And Raspadori, I have uh, uh, an inclination that he's in there because he's young. It's to kind of give him experience of being around the squad. So a very long-winded answer to your question. And I am referring to, to my notes all through this. Um, for my bets would be Cranio out, Biragi out, Toloi, unfortunately, out, even though I'd like to see him in. Lazzari out, Sensi and Castrovilli out. Bernardeschi out and Raspadori out and other than that you, you have your 26 man squad Kenny I respect uh, the theory that you've put together here but I noticed that he's missing one key key ingredient it's a certain Kevin Lasagna <laughs> I think we all agree would be well, a fantastic addition from the bench I have a very quick theory about this as well I think Immobile and Bellotti are obviously going to be in the squad I think Kean will probably uh, be kind of used as a backup striker also. He's very versatile, can play on either wing as well. He's played on the left wing for for Italy in recent games. And Kevin Lasagna, is, uh, yeah, he's, he, he's moved this season, but despite having a fantastic name, I just don't think he's done it on the pitch, Oscar. <laughs> he's had a call-up dis- as well. He's had a call-up. So. Yeah, he had. It's disappointing, but... Um... I suppose I'll cover the Euros regardless of his involvement. I guess we'll um, have to get him on as our media correspondent. Well, didn't want to say anything. To offer insight. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still can't because um, there's absolutely no basis to those claims. Uh, Baz, <laughs> do you have anything? Any additional comment on uh, Kenny's theories about the Italian squad? The only thing I wanted to add was that... Um, this Italy squad is uh, evidently missing any AC Milan players, which is uh, a first in several decades, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that is if you don't consider Gigi Donnarumma a Milan player. That brings us on nicely to the fact that Milan did sign Mike Magnan, who I had mentioned a few weeks ago was a potential rumor. And he's obviously, he kept the most clean sheets in France this year, and he was Lille's, Lille's keeper and they went on to win a big championship. This is it's a, it's sad news to see uh, AC Milan youth product leave, particularly when it's on a free and they're not making any money of it, off of it. But at the same time, I kind of uh, respect Paolo Maldini even more than I did before to to be the one of the first clubs, to my knowledge, to to basically tell Mino Raiola to do one, to not let him uh, kind of. Uh, blackmailed the club and it was getting ridiculous he want, he was getting like contracts for uh donnarumma's brother his aunt was doing the dishes his great-grandfather was like <laughs> in charge of like mailing out things uh, it's it just like you know and ultimately what broke the the camel's back was that uh milan offered donnarumma a contract a few months ago and it's he basically didn't even respond to that and it's a sad end to a wonderful story. We we mentioned earlier in the season that he is he was the fastest uh, player to reach 200 um, Serie A appearances, and also he has 250 appearances for Milan, which at such a young age was phenomenal. But uh, football is a business, and uh, we move on. Uh, Can you quick point before we go to the break? 
Yeah, I think one of the points made about Mino Raiola regularly, and I think actually, Boaz, you um, raised this perhaps slightly as a devil's advocate kind of thing, saying he's just doing his job, getting the the best salary for the the, the most money for his clients as possible. And that's undoubtedly part of an agent's job, but also surely part of an agent's job is making sure that their clients have the best careers possible. And one of the things that's quite glaring when you look through Mino Raiola's list of clients Clients is undoubtedly some of the most talented names in uh, in football who haven't quite fulfilled their potential. We can even put Zlatan Ibrahimovic into this because Zlatan doesn't. Uh, Zlatan should have two or three Champions League trophies to, to his name, and fair enough, he's got um, national titles at Inter, at Juve, even at, at Barca, I believe. But um, you, you look at Balotelli, you look at Paul Pogba, arguably his biggest, uh, finest hour World Cup champion, nothing to do with your agent because it's your national team. Um, there are just like a Robinho as well, just all of these hugely exciting players who moved for enormous sums and didn't fulfill their potential. So while I, while I would suggest that he does get the best financial settlement for his players, ultimately a lot of his players don't move to the, the right clubs for them to develop into the absolute superstars that they have the potential to become well i don't want to disagree with what you said about uh where his players move because for example when robinho moved to city it was kind of a bizarre move at the time and um some of zlatan's later movements were also kind of weird but a lot is made of the fact that he's constantly moving his players which i don't think is necessarily true i mean the aforementioned Zlatan stayed in Paris for five or six years. He's now in Milan for a second year when he's well, almost 40. And um, I mean, uh, also Pogba, at the end of the day, he's played for two clubs in his whole career. He's had fairly long spells at both of them. And perhaps it's just that he's not such a good player. And perhaps Mino Raiola's true skills is that he's managed to convince the world that the likes of Robinho and Pogba are world beaters when actually it's just really good marketing. Let me just end by saying that um, perhaps the true sign of whether Raiola is an amazing uh, moneymaker for himself or a great agent will be Haaland. And of of course, this is less Serie A related for now, because hopefully someday he'll play for a Serie A club. But it'll be interesting to see how this guy's career develops and which moves or how many moves Raiola engineers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair, fair point. But I mean, to me, when you look at the players that he's had and those names that I've, I've mentioned, I think between them, there are like two Europa League trophies um, or, or, or something like that. And, and obviously some of them have done well. Great their- competition, can they? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, some of them have done well at their uh, at, at national level, but that has less to do, obviously, with, with the agent. For me, I, I mean, an agent, forgive me for veering into Jeremy Maguire territory here, but uh, an agent also has to kind of think about, you know, the off the field, like like managing the ego, uh, the show me the money. Get the, the show me the is. money! <laughs> Well, that's that's only one part of it, right? Um, and it, it it just kind of seems like a lot of these players end up being that they're young guys. They've got a huge amount of talent. They've got these huge egos build up. They go into clubs and quite often they end up becoming disruptive in some way or another. Zlatan very intelligently has managed to kind of nurture that in, until it becomes like a positive character trait. But quite a lot of them, you know, find themselves alienated. To me, an, a, a good agent will also say, look, 
this is a team sport you've got to play your role you've got to kind of fit into the bigger project and i i think maybe that's I, he's great great at negotiating big big salaries but picking the right clubs nurturing those what are essentially guys in their early 20s i'm just not sure that he's that great at that so um yeah, this is, I hope that Donnarumma doesn't turn into another one of those cases. And if he does end up at Juve, which it seems very almost certain he will do, um, then he's a he's a great club. And presumably with Buffon moving on, Chesney's a very decent keeper. But um, Donnarumma, you would expect to be Juve's number one for the next ten years if that's where where he does end up. Apparently, Barcelona are also heavily interested in him, particularly with Ter Stegen's, con- Ter Stegen's contract up for renewal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I saw that too. And obviously, they're uh, not not a bad club to end up at either. And I've said on this podcast in the past, if I were Donnarumma, I would have left Milan a long time ago because he get he takes so much uh, slack from fans, and it looks like he he can't because he's a fan. The pressure is too much for him. So all the best if he does go to any other club. But obviously, I hope he loses if he goes to you. Yeah. All right. Well, like a good agent, it's time for me to uh, remind you that podcasting is a team sport and uh, (laughs) that's the end of the half. So uh, we'll be back shortly. Hello, Serie A fan. Make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favorite listening platform and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at ScudettoPod. We'd love to have you on the squad. Hello and welcome back to part two of Scudetto. And it's time for the inaugural Scudetto Awards. And first up is the Galliardini Challenge. This is a big one. What? uh, For any of our newer listeners that are not aware of the origins of the Galliardini Challenge... Galliardini had the worst game of his career in June 2020, (laughs) a performance that was criticised for many aspects, most outstanding of which was missing an open goal that was impossible to miss. Ever since, we have been looking for the goal which trumps this monumentally bad miss. Have we found it? We have three nominations. Harry Maguire versus Milan in the Europa League. Solid contender. Big head. <laughs> Diego Farias versus Spezia a couple of weeks ago. Or Alvaro Morata just before Christmas versus Atalanta. Kenny, your vote goes to... My vote can only ever go to Alvaro Morata. It's the, it's the audacity which, which gets it for me. It's the, the decision to pass up an open goal to play in a teammate, to then receive the reverse pass and again, confronted with an open goal to decide to to backheel it in the way he does. Alvaro Morata, I would rename the Gagliardini Challenge, the Morata Challenge in your honour. You have truly done done the award justice and you've earned it. Congratulations. You might not have won Serie A, but for me, the Gagliardini Challenge can only ever go to you. Boa's opinion? I was going to go for Maguire simply to give this uh, award uh, international je ne sais quoi, but uh, Kenny's uh, heartwarming speech just there won me over. And to be honest, I looked back and th- that Morato miss was 
particularly ridiculous and it's a shame Kenny chose the trumpet music to open this segment because the best music for that this particular award would be <laughs> in that case my deciding vote is not needed as the host your vote counts double Ooh, does it now <laughs> who would you have voted for even if it doesn't count double who would you have voted for Oscar yeah it's Maratha for me it's Maratha he was he was the clear leader at the Christmas podcast. Can we rename this challenge the Morata Ma- challenge for next Maguire season? Maguire came close, but ultimately, just the extra effort that he went to with the back heel, um, yeah, just just crowns it for me. And yes, the Gagliardini challenge is no more. The Morata challenge <laughs> is born. <laughs> this all sounds very Game of Thrones, but I'm into it. Let's keep going with it. Okay, the next award: Living the Vidal Loca. Now, this award was coined when Vidal missed a goal against Roma, which was not an open goal and therefore did not actually meet the uh, requirements to be an entry in the Gagliardini Challenge. Therefore, living the Vidal Loca was born and Vidal lived the Vidal Loca (laughs) (laughs) in that game. This has a very Uh, end of season vibe to it, this section at the moment. Other nominations in this uh, category. Ronaldo versus Napoli. And Chiesa in the Coppa final. Just before he scored, he also had a glaring miss. I think it actually came off the post. Kenny, who lived the Vidal Loca the best? No one lives La Vida Loca like Arturo Vidal. So for me, next season, it remains the, the Vidal Loca challenge. This is a particular award that we can't rename because the whole pun is based on this guy's name. So... <laughs> this might be the only time we ever evolved. living like Cristiano Loca doesn't work <laughs> quite as well. Yeah. So um for the first and possibly only time this award will be given out, Arturo Vidal has been living the Vidal Loca. Uh we're on to uh I was gonna say a more serious award, but I've just looked at what the next award is. <laughs> it's for the worst dressed. This is, there are some strong contenders in this category. There are some this, strong this contenders. Okay, so the first up is La Lazio kit. This is the uh, lime green and blue away kit with the socks, which are 50% blue and 50% lime. Absolute <laughs> crime against fashion. The second is the Inter Milan. I think it's the third kit. The fourth and, kit. Uh, it's, a, it's the fourth it's kit. The, but they the did wear kit. it for a match. It was uh, described by Kenny as uh, if Kandinsky had diarrhea or something like that. What was it? I was a little bit more discreet than that. I, I said food poisoning. Yeah, uh, okay, so if Kandinsky had food poisoning. Yeah. Um, and finally is the Texan tuxedo worn to away games by the Atlanta squad, which we discussed recently. Just a full denim suit. Yeah, not not really sure who's most deserving of this award. They're all very, very strong contenders. Baz, I'll let you vote first on this one. Well, first of all, I mean, uh, I should say that I'm a little bit offended that Stefano Pioli's uh, yacht wear is not uh, <laughs> on the list. He, he took to wearing like uh, this weird white combo and uh, these really weird brown shoes for a while. And it honestly looked like he was docking his uh, boat somewhere. And uh, not surprisingly, in, as soon as he stopped wearing these uh, weird clothes, he, uh, Milan went on an incredible run and qualified for the Champions League. And I hope he learns better for next year. 
But my award will definitely go to the double denim this time. Ooh. I wasn't expecting you to go with that one. I think it could possibly win now. Kenny, what are you going to go for? Every, every bone in my body says you don't do double denim. And if you're doing double denim, you at least do different colors double denim. Every bone in my body wants, says to me, it's screaming the, the whole replay jeans Atalanta setup here. But, I mean, that, that Inter fourth kit. It's just like an optical illusion to to borrow a phrase from a, a Hollywood movie. For for me, that is the 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 biggest disgrace that we have seen on a football pitch this this season. Uh, I think it has to be much as blue denim on blue denim, especially when they're slight when they're close but not quite this. Yeah, but it has to be the Inter. It has to be the Inter fourth kit. Oh, so my double. Uh... My vote counting for double is actually going to come into action here. Because I mean, your vote you know, counting for a single would come in for... You You, you have well, the tiebreaker, regardless of the rules. Well, actually, I'm going to go for the Lazio kit, which, as you know, I have oh, a big problem my with. Oh, my word. Haven't given, haven't given it two dishonorables this season. I would suggest we should rock, paper, scissors for this, but I feel like maybe a podcast is the wrong medium to do rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, Boaz has given me the power of uh, my okay, you have double, the power. so I'm going to invoke it, and uh, it goes to the Lazio third kit. And just to say that uh, since they did get those two dishonorable mentions, it's more than the others got, so perhaps that's a good tiebreaker. Good. Um, right, and Boaz, you were sad about Pioli's uh, boat shoes missing out, but they're going to make it into this next category, which is the best managerial accessory. Um, so first up, we've got uh, Pioli's boat shoes, which have come in as a, a late entry, replacing one of the, the other more controversial items that was on the list. Next up, we've got Fonseca's flat cap of uh, Europa League fame. I think he thought he was in the Peaky Blinders, maybe. And uh, finally, we've got uh, Mihailovic's trainers, which made headlines. I think a pair of vintage Jordans or there was some significance to them but he he wore Nikes with a suit which impressed some people and not others your votes please Kenny your turn to start I I, I struggle to look past the, the the flat cap but I I sense Boaz's frustration here so almost in solidarity uh, in solidarity at missing out on the uh, fashion faux pas award I want to go for Pioli, so I'm going to go for Pioli. I think Baz didn't like it, the boat shoes, very much, so maybe he's going to go for something else. I think I'm going to surprise you, and uh, I'm going with Sinisa Mihailovic, because his shoes are pretty expensive, pretty rare, and honestly, a man his age should never be wearing them, so kudos <laughs> for having the balls. What, why do you do this to me? Because I would have gone, I would have gone probably with Fonseca. Yeah. I mean, I'm tempted to go with Fonseca and just uh, use my veto again, but actually, I think I'm going to go for Mihailovic's shoes. The Scudetto Awards have become Oscars Scudetto Awards. (laughs) (laughs) The Oscars. Could we call them the Oscars? Do you think we'd get sued if we called them the Oscars? (laughs) The Scudetto lawyers have asked me to cut that part out, Kenny. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going to go with Mihailovic's trainers. He's worn some good hats as well, and I didn't want to put that on the list as well, but I think it does contribute towards him winning this award. So well done to him. Uh, There's a pair of trainers from the Scudetto boys on the way to him in the post. Uh, next category is the biggest PR fail. 
Um, there have been a lot of PR fails since we started this podcast <laughs> in Syria. Uh, Boaz, your social media dishonorable has highlighted many of them throughout the season. It's been a fixture in our dishonorable mentions. Just free to highlight. First of all, and I think the most recent, is the uh, inter-tit badge. The new Inter Milan badge <laughs> looks like it says tit on it. <laughs> just, it's hard to look past once you've seen it. Maybe this is the reason Conte left. It's, it's very possible. <laughs> the whole thing with the Lazio plane, just not paying their players and mm. then buying a new jet and taking grief about it from squad members. And finally, the European Super League, just as a whole. I'm not sure who we'd actually give this award to, but just to the league. The, the last remaining team in the <laughs> in the Super League. Juventus, I believe, are the last remaining team. Yeah. Permittedly. Well, they're definitely going to be a strong contender then. Baz, it's your turn, isn't it? Uh, whoa. I mean, I'm, I'm very fond of the Lazio plane story, I have to say. Um, I just thought it was the gift they kept on giving. And the fact that some Roma fan leaked that this plane was not fit for purpose made the story that much better. <laughs> Kenny, any, any I, I agree. I agree. Story? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I can't veto that. In that case, people power has won because even if I vote for something else, we'll have a tie, and then I don't know what happens. So. But but again, what would you vote for? What would I vote? Well, it, I it's quite... like the away goals rule. It only comes into play if the if it's level. If so you, tie, you you can have a vote. All right. Um, I'll go for the inter-tip badge. Just, okay. I just thought it was incredible. Like, how many people must have looked at that internally <laughs> and not noticed that it said tip? Like, how did it get published? It's, it's a true marvel. Okay. And now a global brand. <laughs> now a global brand. Yeah. We've got um, beer of the year down, but we've already kind of done that. So at the start. So I think we'll just go to the last category, which is the best beef. And we've had a lot of beef in the league and it, so much beef, in fact, that we couldn't narrow it down to three nominations. We've got four <laughs> and they are Zlatan versus Lukaku, Conte versus Agnelli, Gasp versus Papu and Conte versus Lautaro. Kenny, it's your turn to vote first. Yeah, so I, I kind of want to give this to Conte versus Lautaro just because of the phenomenal way in which they, they resolved it with a, a boxing match introduced by Lukaku at the Inter training ground. But I kind of feel like it's got to go to Conte versus Agnelli, just the history behind it. And I don't even think it was Agnelli. I think it was the entire director's box at Juventus. The the middle finger from Conte was just something that be was beautifully broadcast around the world. And the idea that uh, Inter were worried about Conte going back to Juve, so inserted a clause after that very public falling out, uh, just adds to the poetry. So for me, that the, the the best beef definitely goes to to uh, as we've named it, Conte versus Agnelli, but I think just Conte versus uh, Juventus directors. Yeah, I honestly think that was the turning point in the season after Conte flipped them the bird, just really kind of ingrained a siege mentality in that squad and they went on a massive run and won the title ultimately. Um, also, excellent that Conte's made it onto this list twice. Uh, Boaz, who did you want to vote for? For me, it's the Agnelli-Conte fight, simply because there was a lot of gesturing and uh, 
a lot of uh, ill will behind it. I thought the Zlatan uh, Lukaku one turned a bit nasty, and so probably uh, while it was comical to begin with, probably shouldn't be laughed upon. And we should like uh, as a podcast, we should speak out against this kind of death threats and alleged racism. Yeah, that is a fair point. You leave so. it to me to be the voice of justice. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Can I also yeah. add that Say Simple Tu Maresca will always be imprinted in my in my memory from this season as well. The, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Conte just it's always Conte's always involved. Uh, and if Conte's not involved, one of Conte's players are involved. Yeah, certainly something that we're likely to miss next season. Although I'm sure there'll be certain other managers that. Uh, bring a bit of edge and a bit of needle to proceedings. I wonder who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm sure we won't be bored on this podcast, that's, that's all I'm saying. Right, that wraps up the inaugural Scudetto Awards. And uh, winners of the awards, drop us a DM and we will uh, get your get your trophy shipped out to you. <laughs> Galliardini's sitting there being really, really sad because we renamed his, his challenge and this was the last thing he had for his whole career. Uh, it's time for our Scudetto, the last one of the season, obviously. So, Okay, what have we got? Yeah, what have we got? We've got a question here from Viola Club Israel, long-time listener, asks, uh, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Is Gattuso right about this? Certainly about my performance on this podcast. <laughs> very correct. <laughs> Anyone else want to answer that one? I mean, is he talking about life in general? Because I don't yes. know what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> Fiorentina, given his Viola Club Israel, yes. Uh, yes, I think just in general, in life, in Serie A, um, in, in everything, yes, sometimes maybe shit, sometimes maybe good. Yeah. Philip Walton Renouf, Philip Renouf, asks um, wines next season. I assume he's referring to the civilized beers section um will we be having civilized wines i mean there have been a couple of times where we've been drinking wine don't ruin I it don't think this, i don't think the section's going to be replaced <laughs> most of the time we're just drinking water and we, we we speak about beer brands that have paid us to mention them so uh, i mean <laughs> one big if act. only if only i'd just like to say andrea pirlo might not be in italian football next season so you know this this whole highbrow uh, approach, but, mate. What? Hang on. Are you telling me that the uh, sponsorship deal with the vineyard has fallen through? Oh. It looks unlikely that Civilized Wines is going to happen anytime soon. Right. Well, sorry about that, Philip. It's a disappointment to all of us. But as you can answer this one, it's from Tifosi Down Under. Uh, just one question. What the hell is going on? <laughs> as if the season itself wasn't crazy enough, these last few days have been madness. Yeah, I mean, w we were setting up for a fairly chilled episode everything was decided apart from the champions league spots and yes napoli disappointed but overall juventus qualifying for the champions league is fairly normal and then boom all the managers leave new managers come in the keepers are coming and going this this is just crazy seria and all condensed into a few weeks I, a few days sorry i guess because the euros are coming so everyone is trying to get their business done before that but wow great stuff and uh, we've got a couple of questions from milan obsession uh, one of them is, will there be a season two? If so, will there be any changes in the squad? Is anyone's contract up? And are any of you represented by Raiola? That's one question. <laughs> um, and the other one is, is there any truth to the rumours that some of the 
Gudetto squad have formed a podcast Super League? And if so, how do you plan to deal with the fan backlash? So yes, there will be a season two. And yes, we will be joining a podcast Super League. We plan to deal with the fan backlash by getting more listener involvement. So we want you to send in audio clips if you've got questions. We're going to be having more of you on the podcast. Anything to add to that, Kenny or Bars? Any announcements to make? Contracts coming to an end? Nothing like that, but we, we've constantly joked on this podcast that we have, uh, like Scudetto in Italy, we have a podcast for Luxembourg and Portugal and uh, Andorra and every single league in the world. So I think next year we'll just build a mega network of all our podcasts. May I just say that the U- UEFA Conference League is missing a podcast at the moment and that uh, there is a prime uh, sponsorship opportunity. So... Perhaps, perhaps that will be our equivalent of the of the uh, Super League. Uh, watch this space. More exciting announcements to come. More um, exciting, was... uh, more exciting cities for Boaz to give us statistics on McDonald's from. Oh, I think for about two weeks. <laughs> Looking forward to keeping up the attack. There are many, many <laughs> smaller cities that are represented in the Conference League. So I look forward to hearing uh, UEFA Conference stats on. On McDonald's in in Gdansk in in all in all of these places. So. And also, now that we have use of the Lazio team playing because COVID's over, we can actually <laughs> all of these cities. Uh, Buzz, one more question for you: uh, Do you think Milan will receive thirty penalties in the first round of next year's Serie A? Who's this question from? It's from uh, Luciano N. Ah, uh, this is a name I recognize from a football forum I frequent. And to be honest, I would urge the gentleman to check back my previous answer where I said that in my opinion most of the penalties that Milan were awarded this season were correct decisions and if anything perhaps there was uh, some occasions where Milan were not awarded penalties because the rumor that they were receiving too many penalties started spreading for example the game against Napoli Terry Hernandez was kicked in the area and also Kessie was kicked in the area was fouled in the area against Udinese and neither of these were given whereas Perhaps without this uh, so-called stigma against the club, they would have been given. And uh, it sounds to me like this particular gentleman has an issue with uh, who does these penalties are being given to rather than uh, the quality of the penalties. And with that kind of logic, there is really no point in arguing any further. May may I just re-nominate my Serie A beef of the season uh, award? (laughs) Boaz and Luciano. So now it's time for the results that we've all been waiting for. The winner of the Honourable and Dishonourable League. Every week we give short Honourable and Dishonourable mentions to things that have pleased us or um, displeased us in Serie A and its surrounding narrative. Baz has been tallying them up. You realise that the, the two of you have the access to the exact same data that I have, so you could see what I'm tallying up Potentially, but anyways, this secret information is all available to us now. So you underestimate our laziness, I think. Is <laughs> the... Kenny and I are very excited to find out. So ask me, ask me some questions so I can get down to the raw data. Okay, <laughs> so first of all, who got the most, which personal institution got the most honourable mentions throughout the season? So this surprised me. I, I thought um, our friend uh, 
well, my good friend Zlatan Ibrahimovic had walked away with it with uh, five honorable mentions nicely spread out throughout the season. But uh, because of Kenny's obsession with Goran Pandev this season, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Goran has uh, yes! he got one on uh, episode 13, which is nice for for Macedonia qualifying. And then 24, man. 31, 34, 38, which just put him in there. We should also mention that uh, Lorenzo Insigne has to go out. four honorable mentions and one dishonorable mention. So he's almost there, but uh, he just he got the wrong mention on on one of his matches. So you're counting the dishonorables as minus one? I'm not. I have I have two different tables. Okay, fair enough. Um, in that case, obviously, we need to know who's leading the dishonorables. So if we look at um, raw data, it's just <laughs> by name. It's uh, Inter and Lazio with three each. And uh, as a person, we have Rocco Comiso, who also has three. But then if you look slightly underneath the the microscope, you notice that Lazio have got uh, this honorable <laughs> mention for planes, kids, uh, buses, uh, sewer system, press conferences. So I think Lazio really ran away with this one. That is excellent. Can I just okay. say, I'm, I'm delighted that Goran Pandev stuck in. <laughs> well done, Goran. And... Um, a last stat that might be interesting and that uh, perhaps betrays the my personal passion for Milan on the spot, but in, at the end of the day, Milan were the club we mentioned the most. They were mentioned on 31 episodes of Scudetto, closely followed by Juventus on 30, Inter on 28, and Atalanta on 22. So it looks like we picked the oh. top four, but it kind of makes sense that we'd speak about the clubs who are um, most in form or playing the biggest games. Of the clubs relegated, Benevento is the club that we spoke about the most. Yeah, and were there any players that had more than one dishonorable? Of course. First of all, um, Christian, our friend Cristiano Ronaldo got three dishonorables, but he also has some honorables, and that's why he's not in the top table. He got one for breaking lockdown, one for uh, kind of jumping out of the way in a free kick, and other such shenanigans. And uh, Atalanta kind of, fan. Kind of jumping out of the way in a free kick and kind of costing Juventus their place in the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> and Atalanta fans, curiously, have picked up two dishonorables as well. We have a lot of dishonorables to fans, usually because they're congregating, and Atalanta seem to be repeat offenders. And just the one dishonorable for a referee, which um, I, I think next... Yeah, Kenny did give a dishonorable to a referee. I, I told him it was against the rules, but he did it anyway. Um I have to say that uh, my my personal favorite dishonorable for this season has to be, go to Gigi Sartor because uh, that was a stellar moment of the season and uh, kudos to him for getting caught. Yeah, that was the uh, the cultivation dishonorable, wasn't it? Exactly. One of yes. my illegal ones. Excellent. Right. Um, well, I think that's probably a good place to end the season. And all that remains is for me to just thank all of our listeners, subscribers, anyone who's written us a message or asked us a question, all of our guest contributors and correspondents, we can't name all of them, but Valdo Martin, Sigmund Vestergaard, Richard Hughes, Hector Finch, anyone else who's been part of our podcast in any way, shape or form this season. It's been a blast. Um, I think we mentioned it briefly before, but we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the Euros. Um, and we'll be back for season two of Scudetto where, at the start of next season. Um, until then, enjoy your summer. Milan in
Juventus è campione d'Italia questa data il 6 maggio del Vigico, la Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001 il titolo del 2008 l'Inter è campione d'Italia sedicesimo scudetto della squadra nell'azzurra 